0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. This feels like a maybe a traditional April day, right? With the the sun and the, uh, no, not the sun. I should say the opposite, the rain and the kind of dreariness. But I am glad that you are here with us this morning. We had a fantastic Easter. That was a highlight for, oh. for sure. Um, uh, Greg's going to struggle a little bit, getting my, my new mic set up, but um, yeah, we, we celebrated three baptisms. It was wonderful. It was just a great time to be together as a church. I really enjoyed it. It's an honor to come alongside uh, the spiritual journey with each of you. Um, I mean, that's, that's an honor for Dan and I, so yeah, it was, it was great to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of other people um so yeah like dan said we are starting this new series and throughout the series uh, these are two different books that we'll reference from time to time this one is called soul keeping by john ortberg and this one is uh renovation of the heart by dallas willard so i'll just give you a heads up but uh those are sometimes some of the the books we might be talking about throughout this series um On the Freakonomics uh, professional skeptics blog, there was a user, Caleb B., who who wrote a comment entitled, Who Wants to Sell Me Their Soul? And he, he asked a question. He said, what is it about the idea of a soul that even people who confess to not have one are hesitant to sell it? I've been trying for the better part of 10 years to buy a soul, he says. I've offered a dollar amount between 10 and $50 for someone to sign a sheet of paper that says I own their soul. And despite multiple debates with confessed atheists, no one has signed the contract. I have been able to buy people's sense of humor. I've been able to buy one guy's dignity, but no souls. Will any Freakonomics reader take me up on this? I'm willing to spend $50 on a soul. (laughs) So the soul, we know that it matters. We suspect that it's important and that even to others who may not believe in its existence, there's still this sense of awe and that it has some type of value or meaning um, beyond just our physical bodies. And so we're not always sure what to do with that. What does the soul mean? What is it? You know, the word um, is mysterious. It's kind of deep. It's kind of hard to pinpoint when, when if, you, if I were to just ask you what it is. Um, and maybe you've heard that, that classic children's prayer um, that says, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, right? Very eerie prayer to teach any child. We never should do that. Um, and Anne Lamont, she's an author, she says, that prayer didn't work for me. Don't be taking my soul. You leave my soul right here in my 50-pound body, is what she told God as a child. Um, So what happens if that prayer comes true and our our soul does expire before we wake up in the morning? What exactly in our body gets taken? You know, we can't quite put our bodies in an MRI or X-ray and and view the soul, right? Um, But it's always been this fascination for us as humans. Even a doctor named Duncan McDougall about 100 years ago, tried to do this experiment to weigh the soul. And so he had six tuberculosis patients, and at the moment that they died, he weighed the difference. And so one of the patients lost 21 grams at the moment of death. And so he became popular with this idea that the soul does have weight, and in fact, it is 21 grams. So why is there this inherent value but also mystery surrounding our existence? It's because of this, this tiny, fragile, invisible, vulnerable, precious thing about us called the soul. We're not just a self. We are a soul. That's how God created us. Um, It says in, in the very beginning of scripture, Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. We all have this. We all have a soul. It was made by God. It's made for God. And it's made to need God. We're not meant to just be self-sufficient people and it's it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that because the the culture of the day the morality of the day is to be self-sufficient right it's to become this true self that we've created and constructed Um, but the biblical understanding is that we're more than a self we've been created with a living soul made to be united with god now soul language is all over the bible in fact i i it's all over our worship songs and once you start paying attention to it you're like whoa it's everywhere and you don't even realize it sometimes there are actually um two terms used for soul in scripture one is nephesh and psych and these two terms are used over a, 750 times throughout scripture. So it's there a lot. And the term soul, it translates as life or being with the ultimate source of that life in God. Um, We can see, for example, the Psalms use it a lot. Psalm 62, five says, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Psalm 139.14, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Or Psalm 42.1, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. So in John Ortberg's uh, book, Soul Keeping, he chronicles this, Decades long relationship, mentor relationship that he had with Dallas Willard. And um, one day after he read one of Dallas's books that deeply impacted his life, he writes him a letter and Dallas responds back and says, You should come for a visit. And surprisingly, they only lived a few miles away out in Southern California. And so this began this mentor relationship with. Uh, Dallas Willard and you know John had climbed his career ladder he had become a successful pastor at this large church one of his dream jobs but he often had these lingering soul questions like you know why do I feel empty sometimes and lonely or even confused you know there's this inner state of my life that doesn't always match up to the outer state of my life And so in response to some of John's questions, Dallas responds and says this, The most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Brother John, you think you have to be someplace else or accomplish something more to find peace, but it's right here. Your soul is not is not just something that lives on after your body dies. It's the most important thing about you. It is your life. You know, we often keep score about how our lives are going based on our outer world because that's how our world is organized. It's like What's your reputation, and what's your appearance, and how much money do you have, and what do people think of you, and what does your life look like from the outside? Those are the obvious and visible things. And we're taught, you know, that if we improve those outer things, then our inner life, we're going to feel more satisfied. But that, that's not true. Our, inter, our inner life is where our center of being really is. It's, it's the sum of who we are is really hidden. And so because of that, it's easy to neglect that hidden inner self. Our, our soul is our whole being. It's our emotions, our thoughts, our will, our physical bodies, and our souls were created to be most connected to God and each other. You know, last week Dan gave this message Um, on Easter, called People of the Cross, and he was talking about how, um, you know, real love is love that gives of itself, right? It's self-sacrificing to be like Jesus, that we don't hold on so tightly to the things of this world, but we're able to live uh, with open hands and open hearts with what God has for us, even when those things are confusing or hard or we don't understand. And Jesus, this is Jesus' message to his disciples when he says, this is what it means to really follow me in Mark 8, 34 through 37. He says, then calling the crowds to join his disciples, he tells them, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And Jesus is like ironically saying that, you know, a self-centered life focused on the present outer world is going to lead to losing your life. And that life is that inner connected soul that's designed to be in communion with God. But those that give up that self-centered against God's purposes kind of life will actually regain and recover their true life. That inner self will come alive when it finds its truest home in God. Our truest self is life with God. Our soul connected with God. <clears throat> Dallas was speaking at a conference and after he was done, you know, people lined up to talk talk to Dallas. We got to get a, you know, got to get in my question or my comment with Dallas. And he stood there and listened to each person. Uh, never in a hurry to to get through the line or to get through the person having the conversation with him Usually, you know, if you give a talk the first thing on your mind is like, oh, I wonder how that went, right? It's very self-focused and you're thinking about your performance, right, and um, what everybody might have thought about you, but John Ortberg, he, he um, observed Dallas uh, to be, not that he was just trying to be patient. It was that impatience was like not even a part of his being. It was simply not in his body. He had this inner presence and life that was so full of peace um, that it's something that emulated out of him that everyone else wanted. You know, I want to know that inner kind of life, don't you? He says, Dallas says in his book, Renovation of the Heart, what is running your life at any given moment is your soul. It's not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is the aspect of your whole being that correlates and integrates and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human beings. So if your soul is healthy, there's no external circumstance that can destroy your real life. But if your soul is unhealthy, there's no external circumstance that can redeem that true life. So let's let's talk about this soul. What exactly is the soul? The soul seeks harmony and connection and integration. It, it integrates our will, our mind, and our body. It's the whole person. And the soul seeks to connect with other people, with creation, and with God. It's the deepest part of us, the whole person. And so I have a, just a little diagram to show you. The soul integrates, It's I guess it's hard to see, the will, the mind, the body. So the soul is the... Is the encompassing of all of those three entities the will being your intentions right the mind is your thoughts your feelings your value um, and the body your physical body what actually ha- the actions you actually take in this world so a healthy soul is when these all these parts are in harmony and integrated under God's intention for you when we're connected with God and other people, we have a healthy soul. There was a businessman who devoted his life to making money, and his children kind of always knew that that was a priority over them. He, he never really said it out loud, right? But it kind of leaks out of how you spend your time and what you give attention to and what claims your energy and so this man he built an amazing corporation um, and he made so much money that he was able to buy this magnificent house out in Southern California um, overlooking the ocean no less and he ended up having a stroke in his later life and no one came to visit him and he was alone in his mansion now um, in a wheelchair and in with an oxygen tank and still focused on his possessions and the things that he built but incapable of having relationships and real generosity and inner um, being with other people that's the ruined soul but the soul that gains the whole Uh, outer life, all the possessions that you can attain, and yet is empty on the inside. You know, we all know stories about that, right? It's in the news all the time. We know people in our own life um, where you can gain the whole world, but it never produces the satisfaction and the meaning and the goodness that is our soul's desire. We often can think our soul's problems are external, right? Like it is our, our job or our, um, our kids or our spouse or our health, those things that do weigh on us. But really, it's the soul that is the source of the problem. When Think again about what Jesus says, you know? Um, Gaining all the desires of the outside world, even if everything you wanted was yours and life was perfect. It means nothing if your inner world collapses. It won't satisfy you. And that's the human problem, you know. Our world has oftentimes replace the word the word soul with the word self you know we don't hear the word soul so much um, but we do hear the word self we like to focus on ourselves but the more we focus on ourselves ironically we kind of neglect the soul Um, to focus on our soul means that we look at life under the care and uh, connection of God but to focus on ourself apart from God means kind of losing awareness of that altogether. Um, the Journal of the American Medical Association a, a while back did this uh, international study on depression. Um, and it indicated that if you were born after 1955, people who lived in each generation were three times more likely to experience depression than those in the previous generations and not just like sadness but like an episode of major depression where you know they described it as paralyzing listlessness or dejection self-deprecation as as well as an overwhelming sense of, of hopelessness and I mean we've seen this in the past year right when things in our outer world got taken away man our inner world had a hard time holding up all of a sudden we had to pay more attention to it and we could see like, oh, there's still work to be done in our inner selves when all we have is to sit with ourselves. Um, but I mean, what, what, why is there such an increase in this, you know, long-term historical depression, even don't even count COVID COVID like shot it off the charts. But even if you take that off, this study still stands. And Martin uh, Siegelman, a non-religious psychologist who's contributed to uh, positive psychology, he has a theory. He says, we've replaced church, faith, and community with a tiny little unit that cannot bear the weight of meaning, and that's the self. And I thought that was fascinating. You know, our self isn't meant to bear the weight and purpose of all of life itself. The purpose of our life is meant to be expressed through our souls, that we have this connection and communion with God, that we have inherent meaning from God himself, our identity from Jesus. And instead, we we've replaced it with putting this burden on ourselves to create all the meaning and the versions of our real self. And that is exhausting to keep up. You know, when we're all about ourselves, we, we obsess more about ourselves and we neglect that inner soul. And our language in this world reflects that. You know, when we are, we talk about fulfilling yourself and self-care, and believing in yourself, and loving yourself, and standing up for yourself, and being yourself, and and all those things can be good. But what if your inner self is really just a train wreck? What if you just um, are messed up and you don't know what to do? Your your self is not a standalone unit. It's not meant to just do it yourself and. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and just self-effort until you can produce this perfect image of yourself. It will crumble if your soul <clears throat> is not built up in your inner being. We're not made just for ourselves. We are made for connection with God and others. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, he said, 28 and 29, I should say. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is talking about the inner life. He often talks about the inner life, a quality of relationship with him where Our souls know the love of God, and the love of God is growing down deep inside of us. And that kind of centering produces the fruit that he talks about in the New Testament, where the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit. But, you know, what religion tries to do is like produce the fruit and and be this person and produce this type of person. Just more perfecting of the outer life. When Jesus says it's all about your inner life flowing in and out from you. So when does your soul feel most satisfied? When do you feel most alive or when your soul feels its worth? Can you you think about in your mind when, is there something that you do or someplace you go or Um, Some space you enter into where you feel your soul coming alive. Um, You know, I really enjoy being in nature. I feel like my soul comes alive when I'm outside. Even if it's like, you know, short snippets. You know, this past week, it was nice outside a few days, right? And so I would go eat lunch outside on my um, back porch-ish area and... um, You know, if I can, just sitting there, listening to the birds, feeling the warmth of the sunshine, being present, taking a moment to be calm and still, I feel alive in my soul in that moment. Or if I, um, you know, go to the Lake of the Woods and exercise and run and I'm listening to (coughs) worship music, I feel so alive then. So much so that sometimes I'm kind of, flailing and waving and doing things that I think, I wonder what people think of me right now. But I feel so alive, I can't even stand it, you know? Um, I feel so alive. Or sometimes it's when I'm having a great moment with my family or my kids and I'm present. You know, I'm not preoccupied in my, in my overthinking mind about, you know, what's next or this or uh, whatever role or performance or expectation is just t- turning around. In there when those moments when my soul feels alive that all that outer stuff can melt away and my soul feels its worth in this life with God you know we can learn to shift our, our focus away from that outer self and on the soul and it's not that we can't we aren't concerned with our jobs or our health or our family or our careers It's just what's happening with our soul in the midst of that, because that's the center of life. So how are we carrying our souls around with us through those other things in the outer world of life? We don't neglect those things, but we see it as an integration. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 says, You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This isn't just about like where your soul goes when it dies, you know, your get out of hell card. That's not just what salvation means, it means a, a full deliverance and healing in your inner being. That on our deepest, level we are connected with God through his care and the presence of Jesus. You know, one of my favorite verses that, I, that paints this picture really well for me, this, this inner uh, being and presence with God, um, is Ephesians 3, 16 through 17. I, I go to this very, very often. And this is from the passion translation. It says, "And I pray that he would unveil you within you, that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor, until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power." Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. I go to this all the time, that Jesus, Jesus makes his home in my heart. He has unlimited resources that he puts in my inner being, and that is my complete place of safety and love. That's it. And the more that roots down inside of me, the more I am able to live life, no matter what comes my way. Because sooner or later, something in our outer world falls apart. It just does. And what matters then is the inner soul that we have constructed, the soul that's connected with God. Uh, To leave you with a story, Horatio Spafford invested most of what he had in real estate. He had lived in Chicago and lost everything in the great Chicago fire of 1871. It destroyed his home and they had no insurance. So he lost most of his money. And in 1873, he put his wife and his four daughters on a ship heading to England while he stayed behind to reactivate his business. Now a few days later, after that ship departed, he received a telegram for his wife saying saved alone what shall i do there had been a shipwreck and all four of their daughters perished and horatio quickly warded another ship to england and as it passed over that very place in the ocean where his daughters has dr- had drowned he wrote the words of this song that you might know and might know that this is the story when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So, is it well with your soul today? I mean, even just reading those words and listening to it, I, you know, you just feel it in your soul right that's the best way i can describe it is it well with your soul so the three practical tips that i have for you um, is to ask yourself the question how is your soul just ponder that throughout the week how is your soul and as you're thinking about that question Just acknowledge whatever comes up for you. Um, You know, there's no judgment, but just whatever comes up. Is there a hindrance to peace in your soul? Is there something afflicting your soul? Notice it. That's your homework. And then you can just repeat that whatever that thing is that came up for you doesn't separate you from the love of God." It's all good. You you have God in your innermost being. You have Jesus who has made his home in your heart. That is just mind blowing when we meditate on it. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God. No amount of junk that can come out of our soul will separate us. But it does us well to attend. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemuhammad.org.